0: The sounds you're hearing are produced by a unique instrument known as the apprehension engine, which film composer Mark Corvin uses to create soundscapes for the films he scores.
1: Well, I I don't know if if the intention is to make people feel bad. I mean, some people people really uh, think the sound is beautiful. Uh, I think uh, certainly people, most people will feel a little bit tense, uh, definitely, and they'll have uh, the required apprehension. And some people just get freaked out and they listen to a minute of it and they just, they're just so tense they can't, <laughs> they can't listen to it anymore. Uh, you know, I've gotten used to it. I mean, for me, it just sounds, it's, it's like, oh, isn't this cool? This is, this is a really strange, unusual sound. And, you know, I don't feel fearful when I pick it up and, and start playing it. I just think, what a cool sound. Because I'm, I'm basically, I'm basically a happy person. Uh, I'm basically happy-go-lucky. And I just think, this is a cool sound. My name is Mark Corvin, and I'm a film music composer.
0: You're listening to the Patches Podcast. I'm Dan from Patches. Later, Mark will talk about his experience composing the soundtrack of the 2015 horror film The Witch and share some thoughts on temp scores and working with directors. But for now, let's hear more about the apprehension engine.
1: So we got we got uh, these uh, rods that, that are like, uh, I guess about three feet long, and when you when you bend them and let them go, they go whack, 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 and they just go on forever. And we initially tried it with using metal rulers, uh, but the cool thing about the metal rulers is bowing them. So I mostly just bow with those, and occasionally I might pluck them for sort of a uh, marimba-type sound. Um, What else? We have something that's kind of like a hurdy-gurdy. So it, it's, it's a wheel that you, you turn with a handle. Uh, you, you, you can play it just just wide open uh, as, a, as a sort of a low drone. But I found it's really interesting when you start rubbing your fingers over top of the strings or sliding it with your, your fingernail and going through the overtone series. A little junk take, you know, played with a magnet that causes various uh, rattling and things moving around. Uh, also we have two strings used as, as a guide for an electronic bow also called an Ebo that guitar players use and uh, then we have a guitar pickup in there and that's what I use through a fuzz box to go crazy and make some really unique sounds with it and then of course we have the reverb tank that uh, I like to play with uh, with the Ebo um, yeah so that's that's about it.
0: The way he talks about the odd components of the apprehension engine, Mark sounds like a guitarist talking about techniques like string muting, strum patterns, or chord progressions. Essentially, he's developed a stock of expressive tools he can return to in a performance, just like any other instrumentalist.
1: I think initially it was, this will help me create weird sounds, but I'm realizing more and more that it is an instrument. The little subtle things you can do to get crazy sounds out of it, I mean, you're always thinking in in an experimental way because you're really freed from any kind of traditional technique at all.
0: And this freedom to explore fits within Mark's journey to find new sounds, going back to the very beginning of his career.
1: Um, well, I think part of the reason is that I have a very limited attention span, and uh, I need to be constantly amused and constantly interested. So mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the reasons why um, I delved into so many different instruments. I, I originally started on guitar, And then I branched off into, you know, violin and woodwinds. Then I got into uh, East Indian instruments for for quite a while. Uh, Just anything that would cause my ears to to perk up.
0: Mark's proficiency with unusual instruments led to his involvement with The Witch. And the score he produced for that film has become one of his best-known works.
1: Robert Eggers, the director, really reacted strongly to this instrument I play called the Swedish nickelharpa. So what it is, it's a, it's a medieval instrument um, that's kind of like a hurdy-gurdy, in that it's got keys. Uh, you, you know, so you, you play it with your left hand like you would a typewriter. And, but with the hurdy-gurdy, you, uh, you crank the wheel right to bow right. the strings. And with the nickel harp, you, you, you bow with a small bow. And uh, it kind of sounds like a violin, but it sort of sounds a little bit like a hurdy-gurdy in that, it, that it's very, very stiff and non-yielding in its sound. And when Robert heard that sound, he thought, that's the voice of the witch, that's what I want in the film. And actually I think that's what got me the gig as soon as he heard that, that instrument.
0: The Witch follows an isolated Puritan family in 17th century New England as they encounter supernatural forces. The ensuing horrors slowly tear the family apart. Given the nature of the story, the score needed to reflect the dread and terror felt by the characters. So Mark had to consider how the director wanted to reflect this musically.
1: I was really reacting to uh, what Robert wanted. He wanted basically maximum dissonance through the entire score. And it took a lot of persuasion on my part to get him to, um, to accept the idea of having things that were slightly more m- melodic, so I would really tried to push him in that direction, which, which ultimately he, he accepted. But uh, through, through most of it, it was keep it as dissonant as possible all the time.
0: But Mark also had to ensure that the score was varied enough to hold the audience's attention. Because it's easy to create a lot of dissonance, but th- the tricky part was making it interesting. Because
1: if you're always dissonant all the time, it really gives you nowhere to go.
0: Because it's essential to consider dynamics in film composing just as it is with any other form of songwriting. For example, heavy bass won't feel impactful if it's always present. Its absence sets up for its return, and the change is what's felt.
1: So, to get around that, uh, we worked on changing up the instrumentation and changing up the, 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 the texture. Um, just just something, something that would uh, perk up the ear.
0: And of course, that's how his background with so many different instruments came into play. For the Witch soundtrack, Mark explored many types of sounds, often from surprising sources, as he looked for the right ingredients to create a signature sound for the film.
1: We used various things like, you know, uh, shakers with, with go tos and uh, different, different oddball instruments. We used, uh, like the Nickel Harpa, like I mentioned, we also used the bass Nickel Harpa. And that's, that's a real odd instrument. It's, it's like the Nickel Harpa, but it's like twice as big. Uh, the Nickel Harpa is sort of like a viola. And the bass Nicola Harpa is more in the range of a, of a cello. Uh, in fact, that's the first thing you hear on the, the Witch score, is the, the, the bass Nicola
0: Harpa. One of the memorable sounds in the score are the disembodied voices of a choir, which creates some of the most unsettling moments of the film.
1: Yeah, um, they're, they're an amazing group of people. It's, um, it's a Toronto... Choir called um, the Element Choir, and they specialize in, in improvisation uh, because most of the score was was basically improvised, and the choir was very much improvised. They basically respond to to hand movements, um, so it was very very loose. So I'd I'd say, we sing an A," and then they'd sing and sing an A in unison, and then and then I'd sort of motion to other people to start moving up. And other people start moving down and wave my hands around like, like crazy to you know start doing swirly, you know, the sandy and things like that.
0: Because of the odd soundscapes and disharmony used throughout the project, Mark had to take a different approach to writing. There isn't a lot of theory that could help with his decisions, and he had to rely completely on intuition.
1: Oh, it's very much on, on feel. Uh, I, I basically abandoned traditional harmony altogether. I didn't really think in those terms at all. Uh, I was thinking much more like a, like a sound designer, and I was just playing with textures.
0: Mark was freed in his approach, ironically, by the constraints that were required to stay consistent with the director's vision for the rest of the film.
1: Uh, there, there was many directions I had in uh, in in creating that score. Uh, one direction was uh, no electronic music of any kind. So you know, no no synth pads, uh, no synth strings nothing like that everything had to be completely acoustic Um, like i said before maximum dissonance at all times Uh, most of the percussion that we played played through the score was just slapping on an old cello and and banging on on things uh it's i have to laugh like often i get uh emails from people where can i buy the score (laughs) you know they want they want the uh the witch music written out and and someone wanted me to do uh a concert of of the witch music, I go, oh my god, <laughs> you know, I'd have to just like improvise for uh, for ninety minutes. So,
0: after its release, the film received near universal critical acclaim and is an accomplishment in design and storytelling, and of course, Mark's score played a large role in that success.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, certainly got a got a great response uh, from the score, which really surprised me actually, because I, I wasn't really expecting the film to, to blow up like, a, like it did, uh, I, I honestly thought that it was going to be too weird and depressing for people, <laughs> uh, which, which I completely understand because, uh, you know, if you go into the theater expecting a typical horror movie, you're not going to get that and therefore most people will be disappointed."
0: And that's the rub with the witch. While it technically must be categorized as a horror film, the simplified genre can't capture the complexity of the experience. Really, the film feels more like watching a Shakespeare play than Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: You know, I really, I really looked at it, and I think Robert did too, as, a, as not so much a horror film, but, but really a, sort of a gothic family uh, drama. Um, but, it, but it's certainly not a typical horror movie in, in any way. So you, you have to be prepared for a different
0: kind of experience. But there's no denying that Mark's score pushes what a horror soundtrack can do and he's certainly been recognized for it.
1: Yeah, but basically uh, the only work offers I'm getting these days after The Witch, it's all horror movies, like <laughs> exclusively. Uh, and that, that's a new thing for me because I've, I've been composing for film about 30 years. And uh, for like 28 of those 30 years, I've done other stuff other than, than horror films. But now it seems I'm, I'm the horror guy.
0: Really enjoyed my conversation with Mark, not only for the artistic ideas he shared, but also for his career-long insights into the process of filmmaking and collaboration.
1: Um, you know, going back 20, 30, 40, 50 years, um, composers were really regarded as uh, as film uh, you know film film keys in the in the whole production process, right up there with the editors and everything else. And the filmmakers understood. That these people were—they weren't just composers or musicians. They were—they were like film crafts people. Um, but that—that that, a lot of that attitude has has gone away, and you you do get the attitude of, well, oh, let's let's just get a musician to throw some songs in here. Um, mm-hmm. so it's it's really it's unfortunate how how that's, that's happened to to the the detriment of uh, film composing.
0: The shift in attitude towards composers came along with the use of temp scores becoming commonplace. A temp score is the music filmmakers add to early edits of their film to start to get an idea of the overall emotional qualities of each scene. As Mark explains, changes in technology made it easy for productions to test out various existing music in their film.
1: Uh, back when I started in the horse and buggy days, um, you know the uh, the filmmakers would be editing the film on these huge... Uh, Steenbeck machines, you know, big metal tables, and they'd be cutting the film with razor blades. Uh, uh, it was all very, very old school. Uh, so, if, so if you wanted to throw in uh, a temp score, so temporary music, that was a big deal. Uh, you know, you had, to, you had to find the music, you'd have to put it on magnetic tape, you'd have to sync it up, and it's like no one really wanted to bother with that. Um, so typically I would get a film and there would be no music there. Uh, but, but all, of course, all that's changed, um, and now with, with things like Pro Tools and every, everything else, people can just grab a song off of iTunes and throw it in in two seconds, and, and that becomes the, the temp score.
0: The result is that when Mark, or any composer, is brought onto a project, they aren't presented with a blank canvas. Rather, they have to work off the pieces of music that producers have thrown in and grown used to already.
1: So, often you're in the situation of trying to trying to you know, duplicate the temp score, or trying to do better than the temp score, or trying to be as good as the temp score, but, but that temp score is always going around uh, the back of your mind. Um, I like to, to ask the question, before I start working on a project, how long have you been listening to the temp score? And if it's well, more than a couple of months, I'm like, uh-oh, we're gonna have trouble, <laughs> because I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna have a hard time Uh, separating the the director from the temp score because 99% of the time the, the filmmakers will fall in love with the temp score, whether it's working or not.
0: So a real problem composers face when they come onto a project is that the filmmakers have grown too accustomed to the temp score. Imagine if your favorite movie's soundtrack was swapped out with new music. Even if someone could come up with a better theme for Star Wars, they could never get away with changing the iconic music in the opening crawl now without outrage from an audience. In some ways, the filmmakers begin to have that kind of relationship to the temp score in their film, and it's hard to break.
1: After a while, you can't imagine the film without that piece of music that you've been listening to every day for the last four months. I mean, it's totally totally understandable.
0: But it's only the filmmakers close to the project that are going to be affected by this. Without any familiarity, the audience is going to appreciate the score that best drills home the emotion of each scene, and that usually requires the composer to create something new that will be substantially different and more particular than the temp score was. Mark's approach is to tease out the director's true vision.
1: Well, the first thing I try to do is um, try to make sure our language is the same. uh, Because you you do get the directors that go, you know, it's got to be jazzy. It has to be a jazzy score. What they really want is a bluesy score, but they don't have the vocabulary. So sometimes I have to... uh, sit down with the director and go, this is a pad, this is suspense, this is tension, this is distance. this is like number nine on the distance scale, this is number three on the distance scale, or whatever, just so you have that
0: shared vocabulary. And this is key, because the goal of the composer is not to create great music, but rather to enhance the storytelling of the film as much as possible using sound. This requires the composer to understand the emotion and direction of a project thoroughly.
1: My approach is you, you have to completely understand um, the story that you're, you're working on before you can expect to do uh, music that's, that's going to support that. So you have to understand uh, a bit about production, and you, know, you have to empathize with what these filmmakers go through uh, you know, during their five-year odyssey of, of making a film or whatever it is, you have to be able to relate to, not only to filmmakers, but you have to c- completely understand where they're coming from uh, story-wise. Co- so you can talk to them sort of as, uh, sort of as equals, rather than uh, the musician being tacked on at the end of the process.
0: That's why Mark emphasizes that communication with the director should stay within the boundaries of what the music is emphasizing in the project.
1: Because uh, the director really should be talking to you not in musical terms, but in dramatic terms. Uh, I had big trouble with uh, just recently with a director who was just they were so stuck in the style uh, of the music and the instrumentation that it was impossible to get them to talk about their film and, and what right. the film required, you know, and how you're going right. to enhance the, the drama because they just could not get over the, uh, the whole style of it. And, and it just uh, drove me crazy. And we, we had to part ways on it.
0: Collaborations are hard. The end goal may be the same, but the means by which it is accomplished can be very different. As an artist, there is a fine line to walk between standing up for what you want and bending to what the other artist wants.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, some, sometimes you, you would have to go, uh, you know, I'm tired of this BS. I'm the composer. I'm going to do what I think is right because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I mean, that might be required. Uh, I've, I've actually never done that, <laughs> but I can see doing that. And other times you have to acquiesce and and, uh, say, you know, you you do know what you're doing and I'm going to put on a different hat and I'm going to help you create the kind of score that you have in your head already. Uh, Now that's not always going to work and I wouldn't recommend that approach as a general approach to composers because uh, you know I've made the mistake before of um, taking that approach to a talented director who seemed to know what they wanted and I would go, okay, I'm gonna help you create the kind of score that you want, and they totally panicked uh, because it was like, oh my God, the composer doesn't know what he's doing.
0: Ultimately, just as every film is unique, so is each director and their approach to filmmaking.
1: So as a composer, you have to be very flexible and you, you have to be, you know, a part uh, psychologist and human behaviorist yeah and figure out the, uh, the right path that's gonna keep you sane and make for the best score.
0: This episode was produced by Pierce Porterfield and me, Dan Hilsey. Big thanks to Mark Corvin for talking with us you should absolutely take a look at the videos of him playing the Apprehension Engine that are linked in the show notes. You'll also want to hear his work in The Witch if you haven't seen it. It's a great film. The Patches Podcast is a project of Patches.Zone, a website dedicated to creating resources for music producers. If you're looking for sample packs, Ableton Live tutorials, or music production guides, go check out our page. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to stay updated on future episodes. Thanks for listening.